Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. So this particular episode is a special episode because I've been trying to get this individual person on this show since season one in my first five episodes. She is a friend. We've been bouncing business ideas since like day one. I remember when she was a photographer, then she became Danny Vox, which was like a voiceover artist. She became a singer. And I'm going to deem her like I deem everyone else on the show with a special name. And her name is going to be the sound boss. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do, Danielle. Oh my God, Chanel. Chanel, dude. First of all, mad love. Uh, I mean, you are, however our journeys have been going over the last 21 years. I, I mean, I've known you since 2000. Um, yeah, yeah. When I was thinking about it, I was like, dang, man, like, we got two decades and like, I love it. I was coming from a military family, military brat and moving every two to three years growing up. Like I don't have those like longer relationships that a lot of people do when they grow up in one place. And like my family is you, it's my AI crew. It's like the, you know, the, the, the chosen family and you're, you you're my heart you're one of my what in that like chosen family so i'm stoked to yeah finally be here yes. <laughs> finally be collected to to share and hopefully you know support others in their journey wherever they are in their business and and life yeah yeah so uh, i mean i think with that it is like a, it's a hell of a segue because i mean even with my own introduction i mean obviously the wave and i always call it the wave of riding trying to figure out like you've been in sound but you didn't know exactly where in sound until you actually fell into sound therapy so like let's just unpack that let's peel back the onions and let's start off with the first question right if you could define yourself in three to five words what would those three to five words be you know, you prepped me for this and I was still like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, uh, you know, I would say adaptable, um, loving, uh, and ugh, you know, what? I don't know. You know what? That's, that should be something I like text a bunch of friends right now and just be like, Hey, uh, <laughs> if you could describe me in five words, what would it be? Um, you know, when I, when I think about just my journey and how I like to show up, I think it's always, if I was to describe myself, it would really be about, um, I follow, I follow my gut. I follow feeling and somehow, um, the things and everything just seems to fall into place. Um, those of you who are into astrology, I am a Pisces. So, you know, there's a little bit of that uh, going on, but I'm probably the most grounded Pisces you'll ever know. The most pragmatic Pisces that you'll ever know. Nice. nice. <laughs> I think that's a hard question, but to, but to come back to kind of one of the things, you know, you, you just 
said was, you know, this, um, like it all, it all came back to sound. It all came back to music in some sense. And, um, I was in band in high school, seventh through 12th grade. I was in concert band and symphonic band and marching band. And, you know, growing up, um, I had all of these on again, off again, symptoms of just being sick all the time and not feeling well in my body. And, I didn't realize it in high school, but music was always something that I came back to. It was something that brought me this sense of peace, this solace, um, peace in my body, peace in my mind, uh, to trust that, you know, I could just follow, follow a feeling, uh, and trust whatever it was, universal guidance, spirit, um, universal consciousness, um, whatever it was that, that, uh, that there was something greater than me that I could trust. Um, and that whatever I was feeling in my body didn't own me. I just didn't, I just accepted it. But yeah, the, uh, you know, photography, I was supposed to go in the army. Um, <laughs> my dad was really pushing, uh, and in 2000, um, the army, the military was really pushing for more women coming into the army, especially going to West Point. And so my dad was really trying to push me to do that. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do with my life. And my dad was like, well, you got to go to school or you got to get a job. And I was still like, I don't what, you know, I'm working at a one hour photo plus, you know, a Sonic drive through and, you know, like going through these little jobs. And I'm like, I can't, I, I can't see myself doing this forever. But, um, so I went to this job fair, found this lovely, you know, I'm taking all the pamphlets and sticking it in a bag, not really knowing what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to do what my dad says and, and, you know, try to, you know, get into West Point, didn't know if I was smart enough to do it, but they wanted women. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, and I, I started to go through that process, but there was this woman at the the college fair and she was like, hey, come to the Art Institute of Atlanta. And, you know, what are your interests? And I was like, I think maybe photography. And um, and then I applied, I got a half, ended up getting the half scholarship to go and uh, ended up going to art school instead of the army. <laughs> hmm. I mean, that's definitely interesting, right? Because I mean, that's how we found each other. I was at art school at the, at the same time in, in different grade levels, right? But I think becoming friends and seeing your journey unfold, let's just dive into that a little bit. I remember like after graduation, you were just kind of like, okay, I'm about to move to California. And so everybody was like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? And then like, you packed everything up and you decided, you know, I remember you was getting your, your brakes done. You was getting all changes. You was getting the car completely ready for this crazy road trip. And then you just did it. You just leaped into fate and said, the hell with everything. I'm just going to do it. And you went to California. And that's that's when you really found yourself. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're you're right. I mean, you're definitely a witness to the the evolution of me. Uh, and, you know, it was, I, I remember I was doing this um, internship with a photographer, Jim Viscus, amazing photographer, amazing commercial photographer in Atlanta. And he, his advice to me was, if you're going to do photography anywhere, don't do it in Atlanta. 
And I, you know, I was like baffled because I, you know, I was getting my community in Atlanta. I had you guys. Like I felt mad love. This felt like the the first Atlanta felt like home to me. It was the first time in my life that I felt any place was home. And and here's, you know, my mentor being like, you know, if you're gonna do photography, don't do it here in Atlanta because it, uh, you know, you couldn't really specialize at the time. And I graduated in 2003, ended up moving to California in 2004. And I just, I just took his advice and was like, all right, cool. I got a thousand dollars in my savings. Um, my lease is coming up. Uh, and you know, Alicia, our mutual friend, Alicia Briscoe, amazing woman, like she did the road trip with me. And yeah, I sold everything, got rid of everything except for what could fit in my, God, what was I driving? Ford Escort, two door hatch. So it's not even big, doesn't even a big back seat. <laughs> doesn't have found a way to stuff things into little cars, right? <laughs> That's, you know what, that is part of my journey too. Yeah. <laughs> So let's, but, continue, yeah. let's continue. Let's continue talking about that. So you stuffed everything in the car, right? You went to California, essentially as a photographer. So like, where on this journey did you become like sound? I think you you became a vocalist. You became a voiceover artist. Like, just unpack that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like, how do these things happen? You know, I think. I mean, photography is definitely a love of mine, and you know, I did it because I I felt like. When, I, when, if any, any of your listeners are coming in and they're, and they're experiencing, you know, not feeling well in their body, they're not, you're sick or, you know, you are experiencing immense fatigue. I mean, I had a lot of things that were, go, that were going on and off for me. Um, I wasn't, and I, of course, I didn't know this at the time, but I wasn't necessarily living in my body. Um, I was reacting to the world and I was, um, reacting in a way that was, um, you know, out of safety. Uh, I was coming from a fear mindset with that, where I was afraid that my friends, my family, you know, potential romantic, you know, partners, or even, you know, people that I was dating, um, would one day just wake up and realize you know, holy shit, it sucks to be with somebody who's sick all the time, you know? And so there's, there's a certain way of being and, and decision-making when you're sick all the time where, you know, you kind of figure out how to not look sick all the time or, you know, go out and um, kind of go with the flow in a way where you're not, you're able to not lead on that you're so uncomfortable in your body. Um, and so, you know, and I didn't know this at the time, but like there was something that photography gave me that was this outlet of creativity and outward expression where when I was in the moment of uh, photographing someone, I could be as silly as I needed to be knowing that even though that was a part of me, um, it wasn't a side of myself that I really let out so much. I didn't, you know, or I would it was just a part of my personality that I didn't feel like I could really show because I was so busy in my, my relationships trying to maintain um, and be there for everybody else. 
because I wanted to create value and not show that I was a burden because I was sick all the time. And so, you know, I get to San Francisco and, you know, I ended up choosing San Francisco because I had emailed the, the APA presidents at the time in LA and San Francisco and was like, Hey, I'm new to California or I'm new to your city. And, you know, I'm, you know, what's your advice for new photographers moving into the city. And the guy in LA was like, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna scrape gum off the sidewalk. You're gonna start off a second or third assistant and you're not gonna make any money. And I'm like, well, fuck, all right. That's not exactly <laughs> um, cool. All right, LA, thanks. And then San Francisco guy basically said the same thing, but he was like, bring your business cards to an APA meeting. I'll introduce you to people. Let's help you get started in the photography world. And that's literally, how I chose San Francisco over LA was because of that one man. <laughs> um, and so I moved, I had stayed, you know, with my aunt in Monterey for a little bit to just kind of figure out, all right, here or there, moved to San Francisco and, you know, did exactly what um, Jeff Couch said and met him at an APA meeting and, you know, just started my journey in photography. And, um, it was when I was 28 years old, um, when I became not my normal sick and I started losing my hair. I started losing the enamel on my teeth. Uh, I had chronic constipation and migraines and crazy skin issues. And, you know, going to the doctor, going to the emergency room, wasn't out of the norm for me. Um, you know, I had different medications that were trying to help me in different ways, but this particular visit was different. I went in and, you know, I was wearing a hospital gurney and, you know, sat in the, sat on the, you know, the table. I was by myself because again, like this is normal for me. I'm just like, Hey, hey my name is Danielle. Let me sign the paper. Here's my insurance. Boom. You know, I know the process. And, you know, I'm sitting in there, I'm in the, in the gurney and, you know, it's already a vulnerable situation to like, you know, have your back out and you're <laughs> you know, on this table in this cold room. Right. And the doctor comes in and he picks up my chart. He doesn't look at me at all. He picks up my chart and he goes, well, Miss Hall, if we don't find out what's going on with you, you're going down a really dark road, puts my chart down and walks out of the room. And that was the first time that I, I think, got the wake-up call that I needed around my health. Um, to It shifted my perspective enough to be like, well, well what do you mean? <laughs> you know, what, what's actually happening? And, you know, I, it, it was that it ended up that my body was deteriorating at a rapid rate is, is what he was saying. We need to figure out why you know, you are malnourished. We need to find out why, you know, we're going to do all these blood tests. We got to do all of these different tests. And I go home and I'm, you know, sitting there by myself. And I just, you know, I didn't believe I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I've never been a religious person, but I would say that I've been, I'm spiritual. And so in this moment, you know, I just sat there and 
you know, started the ugly cry, uh, you know, like the one with the snot and like the tear, your face is puffing up. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm cursing at God. And I'm just like, what the F, like what, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be bald and toothless. Who's going to want me? Who's going to want to be my friend? Who's going to want to this, that, and the other. And it was, you know, realizing that conversation is who's going to want me. Mm-hmm. Um, was something that really stuck with me. And then, you know, when you're, when you, when you do, when you have the ugly cry, you know, that really deep lethargic cry, like you feel, you, you feel this internal kind of vibration start to happen and you feel kind of, you feel your skin, you feel how heavy, you know, the weight of um, how much you care or the weight of the problem is. And it was, Honestly, I just heard, you're going to be fine. Be open. Now, it wasn't like a voice that I heard. It was like a knowing sense. Um, And it was just like this knowing sense that came over me that was like, you're going to be fine. Be open. And again, you know, I went, what the F, you know, and I start cursing again and crying again. And the very next day, a naturopathic doctor came into my awareness and, um, you know, I don't even know how this person, like it was like up on Google one day, naturopathic doctor. And I ended up going to her only because she had doctor in the name is very skeptical mm-hmm. of anything health and wellness and anything that alluded to the woo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I went to her and, and found out that all of my health issues, all of my health challenges from a young age were a freaking gluten allergy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I 28 years old, oh. took gluten out of my diet, felt what healthy felt like for the first time in my life. Um, things like I didn't realize how much inflammation I was holding. I saw my nose for the first time at 28. I was starting to really see what my body looked like at 28. Like things were starting to work. the way that they were supposed to at 28. And this started to peel back, you know, we're saying the onion, peel back the layers of, um, all right, well, if food can affect my body, what are the other things that can affect my body? And, and then it was this question of if I, if I wasn't open to the conversation of how food affected my body before this experience, what else am I not open to? Where else am I holding judgments and and these biases? And so taking my, my photo background, I, I kind of went more into my own personal project, not necessarily of photographing different modalities, but going in to try to understand um, the, the language and the marketing around these things, because what we see out in the world, we're, we're, we're getting these patterns over and over and over and over again, when we see the same things and we're in the same environment and we're getting the same feedback, we tend to believe that that is the way it has to be. And, or that is the way that it is. And there are no other choices. And so, you know, I went into my first massage um, and looked at the limiting beliefs that I had around that. I went into my first yoga class. I went into like a chakra crystal balancing thing, you know, and I was, you know, 
going in super judgmental, all of these things and realizing like, wow, I have a judgment around, um, you know, this is only for rich people or, oh, this is a judgment around, you know, only tall bendy women do yoga or, you know, oh, only hippies do crystal therapy. And then I go into this sound bath and, you know, um, I, I, I'm going to give you the story because it's where I was at that time, super judgmental around these, these experiences it is not how I think today, <laughs> but you know, I go in, um, it was a free sound bath and I, I, what I did not know was that it was a after burning man sound bath. So if anybody doesn't know about burning man, maybe go Google it. Um, but uh you know it's a desert party a lot of free love and art and you know it's a really interesting you know community i'd love to go one day but you know at that time i was very close off to this conversation and so i walk in and there's this guy who's wearing you know drop crotch pants he's not wearing shoes you know he's not wearing a shirt he's wearing like this little vest <laughs> he's got like you know, long dreads and he's like talking like this and he's like moving his arm like this. And, you know, he's very kind of like bouncy in this space and bouncy in this conversation. And he's just like, Hey, welcome. And in my mind, I'm like, you're very LA, but I don't know. I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to like follow along. And he's like, welcome. You're going to take off your shoes and you're going to put your stuff in the cubby and you're going to walk around the corner. You're going to lay down. And I'm like, Okay. And, you know, I, I'm showing up in my skinny jeans and my Nike lifts and my Giants baseball cap. And I'm looking around the room and there's like a Jesus and a Buddha and a Kuan Yin and incense burning and bad patchouli. And <laughs> you know what? I just, But I do the thing. I go through the room. I take off my shoes. I put my stuff in the cubby. I walk around the corner. And now here's all of these other people who are wearing fur who are got like glitter on their face and got like feathers in their hair and they're all doing like some cuddle puddle massage situation and my mind just starts freaking out I don't want to be disrespectful but my mind just starts flipping out and I'm like all right this is not for me I just need to leave I just need to leave this is not where I'm meant to be uh, and so I turn around and I, you know, start to make my way out. And the same guy who had, you know, checked me in was like, oh, where are you going? And I'm like, dude, you know what? It's cool. Congratulations on a full event. Like, I'll come back another time. I see people brought blankets and pillows and like, you know, I'll come back early so I could get a spot. You know, by this time, the whole group of people are now looking at me. And now I'm feeling peer pressure because <laughs> now the guy's like, you know, we can make room. And these two guys kind of like move over, like maybe about this much space, just enough for me to like wiggle in there. And in my mind, I'm just like, I'm so Chanel, like I was so, I, I was like, I, I just, what was, I was so um self-conscious about my body I was not comfortable in my body at all that like in my mind I'm like I gotta touch naked elbows with these guys that was too much it was like too much for my brain and so I but I'm feeling peer pressured at this point because everybody's like they're nice and they're like come on lay down it's cool 
So I, I sit there in between these two dudes and I'm like holding my legs and uh, all of a sudden the lights go out. I don't know, you know, what's going on. And then they start like people lay down and, and they start this music and I lost it. I freaked out. I just yelled out like, Hey, I don't know what this is. They stopped the music. And I don't know what this is. I've never been to a sound bath. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like in my brain, like when you, when you can't control hold what's on, going hold on. on. Let's, let's hold on one second. <laughs> now for anybody that's listening to, to this episode right now, right? This woman is like the sound therapy goddess. So for her to say <laughs> that her first sound therapy was like this horror movie situation to where she thought she was pretty much getting kidnapped by a cult and screaming and hollering. I want you to understand this. This woman makes a living by producing the content that scared the living shit out of her to begin with. Right? Right, continue. Continue the story. I'm listening. Go ahead. No, you're totally true. It's totally true. But like this whole experience actually informed how I do mine. And, and you know, I can get back to that in just a moment. But you know, I have this freak out moment, they stop, you know, and the guy was just like, you know, don't worry. Uh, everything's going to be fine. Be open. And honestly, it was those words. It was those words because oh, almost a year prior, like I was saying, when I was going through this, um, you know, this crisis, this health crisis, that was that knowing sense right in the beginning of that journey when I got back from the hospital was you're going to be fine be open and then almost a year later this dude this dude that i'm super hardcore judging is like you're going to be fine be open i'm like what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck wtf and so i lay down i'm just like all right cool uh you know and I'm like all, all like this and like super tense and i don't know at what point i actually like relaxed into the experience but i just remember i was gone and then I had this immense emotional release and I, I lost control over like, my body. I started shaking, um, not like a seizure, but like, I just, I could, I could feel my body shaking. It was like that, that fight, flight, freeze, shake, you know, to release all of the cortisol are all of the trauma, all of like the body was releasing all of these stuck emotions. And I, you know, was letting out these howls. I mean, it was like these like guttural sounds and these deep sobs of just sadness and anger and all of this energy, all of this was coming up. It actually stopped the whole sound bath. <laughs> Uh, and those same people, those same people that I was judging, those same people that I was projecting on, they were there to take care of me. They, you know, rubbed my back, got me water, got me tissue. They, you know, went into some humming exercises around me that, you know, is actually really calming for the nervous system. And of course, I don't know any of this at the time. I'm just like, why am I losing control over my body? And I don't do this. Uh, you know, someone who's sick all the time and you can't control what's going on in your body, you try to control everything in your external environment. You know, I was a little bit OCD up until that point. And, you know, to, to lose control in this way was just 
<laughs> you know, it was too much. And so, you know, I, when I could finally ask, you know, what the heck this was and what the heck happened to me, the practitioner couldn't really share. And he didn't really know. He said it was you, I was releasing stuck emotions, but I was like, all right, cool. What the heck are stuck emotions? Okay. What, what do I do about this? Uh, and he's like, well, I don't really know. Come back tomorrow. This is a school. And, you know, my teacher can share and, and tell you more. And I was like, what, this is a, you know, I'm looking around, this is a school, you know, and I, I show back up the next day and my face is like all puffy and, you know, I was pissed off because I was having some of the symptoms that I had prior to knowing that I had a gluten allergy. And, you know, I went and talked to the owner of the school wow. and, um, and he was like, yeah, I was like, well, when are your next classes? And he was like, well, we already started for the next certification program. We're two weeks in. And I was like, here's my credit card. I need to sign up right now. <laughs> and it was like, it was literally that not to become a sound practitioner. That was not my mission in that, in that point in time, but it was to try to understand what the heck happened to me, what was happening to me in my body and find more empowerment around it. Cause I was just blown out of the water. So let's just, just re re recap this, right? Right. Again, we're talking to like a sound goddess in today's <laughs> world, Right. But you're saying on your journey, you were a photographer, you were trying to figure things out, you went to California, some weird hippie guy told you to come in the room, turned off the lights, you were completely weirded out, you, you <laughs> stopped the sound bath, like, I've been to your sound bath before, so I couldn't even imagine someone acting the way you were acting during their first sound bath, right, right, so, like, even I took my son, and he completely fell asleep, and he was bothering everybody by snoring, that's, that's how <laughs> quiet the room gets, and then, not only do you freak out, but then your ass gets up and goes back the next day is what you're telling us. You go back the next day and then you just say, okay, take my credit card and sign up. You sound batshit crazy. I'm just going to be very frank, right? <laughs> sound crazy. You know, the but, best journeys are batshit crazy. You know, I think like anytime you, you just follow, follow the nuggets of, of spirit, follow those, you know, those intuitive hits, like, you don't really know where it's going to lead you, but hopefully it's, you know, well, usually it is to peace. It is to healing. It is to fulfillment. It is to more alignment in your life. And, you know, even before the sound healing though, I was, you know, I was getting sick or I had that moment of, you know, within that year, I was just like, photography isn't for me anymore. Like I, I don't, I was having this internal struggle with you know how I was changing and evolving within myself to the conversations that I was having with my work. So for example, it was all about in the commercial world, it is, you know, your casting, you know, part of the casting conversation is it for example, kids, you know, is casting some kids for the shoot. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that's a handsome kid. That's a pretty kid. You know, we're already putting these labels and we're already kind of you know, looking at people in a way that's what's marketable and what is, what is beauty and we're defining beauty and we're, um, you know, in, and there was a time that I was within that same period where I was, um, on this retouching job, same thing, this like big company and they're like, okay, we need you to Photoshop her waist in her breasts a little bit more full to fill this bra. And we need you to retouch her feet and you know, whatever it was, <laughs> it was just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm augmenting her body. And, you know, there were 
all of these conversations of what beauty was, and I couldn't see myself in any of the examples of what I was casting as beautiful or what I was being asked to do that that would represent beauty. And so my self-worth and my, you know, internal dialogue around my own beauty um, was becoming more and more diminished and, and, and not healthy. And so, I mean, I don't know exactly what it was. I got into voiceovers and I got into acting. Um, and that was, you know, a period of time that, you know, I was, I was trying to explore, uh, like how I could be more of an outward expression of myself uh, and, and in taking on other roles. Um, you know, I really love the voiceover world and the voiceover work. Um, and then well, it's a good uh, perspective, right? I mean, you're talking about several different disciplines and you were talking about college. So let's like put a time frame on this, right? We always hear about the overnight success stories, but in reality, it probably takes 20 years. How long have you been on this journey to, from where you are right now to from when you were going into college? Oh my God, 21 years. I mean, <laughs> so uh, college was 2000 to 2003, graduated BFA in photographic imaging in three years, moved to California in 2004 and was really pursuing that. Um, the photography time from school to when I was evolving out was 11 years. I was in, in the industry for nine before I realized, you know, that that was, yeah, like, well, it was 28 when I had that episode. And that's when things like really started to shift in my life and my thinking. Um, and, you know, sound healing came kind of in the middle of me exploring more of my interests and, and trying to dabble into, like, I knew photography wasn't going to be it for me forever. Um, I was using photography as the venture capitalist to my, you know, new venture, which, you know, I thought it was going to be voiceovers. I thought it was going to be acting. And then my 30th birthday was when I came out, you know, and, and started singing, you know, and started to do performances on stage. Um, and, you know, then that wasn't necessarily the right fit either. And, but at that time I was going to school for, uh, for sound healing and was like 29 when uh, sound healing started to come in. And, but I was still doing the voiceovers and the acting and, you know, dabbling in, in those things. Um, but yeah, it was really like, I went, I did the course, gosh, I did the course. And then it was kind of like, bam, bam, bam. I, I did the course and then a, a friend of mine uh, was like, do you want to come out of photo retirement and come, you know, assist me on this job? And I, I was just like, oh, I really don't want to, but for you, fine. And it ended up being in Bali. <laughs> and, you know, I went out there and became Reiki, Reiki master certified out in Bali. And, you know, that was another kind of spiritual awakening, another type of, um, stepping stone of trusting that I was being guided in this really weird area of feel, you know, really weird new endeavor in using sound as a therapy um, and, and, and tapping into energy as a therapy. And then, um, 
And then, you know, then I'm like speaking at the Sima Somatics Conference and, you know, starting to teach, you know, other sound, uh, excuse me, yeah, other sound practitioners at that time, like how to have a business in and how to, to begin building a business in their health and wellness career. Um, and, you know, then I opened up a, a sound healing studio. I had um, my own one-on-one practice for a year, uh, uh, two years, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and that just started to expand. So I started on the, the like the doing one-on-one coaching and therapy sessions for people. And then it moved into doing group sound bath sessions at, um, you know, it was this gym called Studio Mix in San Francisco. They're still there. I love them. They're really great partners um, that helped propel me forward. And, you know, that doing the group sound bath sessions then opened me up to do corporate sessions. And then I was doing like some private stuff and like some, you know, bridal showers and things like that, which was interesting. And then that opened me up to being, getting a contract with a therapy center. And then, um, you know, I had the opportunity, there was an opportunity that showed up back in Atlanta. So I moved back to Atlanta in 20 December 2015 so we'll just say 2016 and then shit hit the fan the opportunity went away the opportunity like I moved back to Atlanta the opportunity got pulled out from under me and then um I experienced a really low low in my career uh I was homeless um homeless in the sense of you know I could not afford to pay for my own space I was couch surfing for a little while um I was, you know, at the mercy of other people's extra food, (laughs) you know, I like show up at dinners, Um, you know, and I was like house sitting and gosh, 2016 was like a a shit show year. It it took a while to get back on my feet. Um, But one of the things that I did was I did something every day where, you know, I knew Atlanta had changed. I'm in Atlanta at the moment. Um, I knew Atlanta had changed from when I had lived there, you know, 10 years prior, uh, whatever the math is on that, about 10 years. And I knew that sound healing wasn't necessarily like booming here. There were communities doing it more up in like Blue Ridge Mountains and more in like, you know, outside the perimeter, more, when I say hippie, I mean hippie in like the best possible way, but it's, it, um, it wasn't being shown in a way that was accessible uh, to regular people, I think. you know, the everyday person who's going to a nine to five job and not necessarily, you know, knows about, uh, you know, living off the land, you know? So, um, and that's a total overgeneralization. I'm sorry, my hippie community, I love you so much. But, you know, there's, um, to, it was to me, the, the Danielle Halls, uh, you know, who did who don't know to be open to any alternative therapies in the first place. They don't have that, that community in place, right? And so um, I knew it was going to take some time to build it here in Atlanta, but I was also trying to maintain what I had built in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And so while I was homeless in 
Atlanta, I was, you know, God, I was using my credit card to fly back to San Francisco to make sure that the people I was hiring in the different positions out there to maintain what I had going out there were, you know, they were feeling good and they were, you know, making sure that they were getting paid and they were trained and like that client was happy. And so, oh gosh, yeah. And so then what, what I did here was every day I would go, or every week I would choose a different coffee shop to go to, take my laptop to a coffee shop. And my mission was, you know, like get, get in, how can I get in with the community? What's important to Atlanta? What, what are the conversations around health and wellness that are already happening here that I can support um, and just try to <laughs> connect with people at the freaking coffee shop. Um, so I would like accidentally bump into people <laughs> and make conversation, um, you know, ask them a question about where they got, you know, their jewelry or, you know, what are the best places to shop or where do you go to yoga or do you like yoga? What are your favorite gyms? Um, you know, try to fit in the health and wellness conversation. And I was new and I do sound therapy and, you know, and, and try to make new friends that way. And so networking pretty seriously is what you're saying. Like you're, you used the leverage of drinking coffee for networking. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. And it was insane. Mm. That's, it, that's definitely interesting. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, I've known you throughout this whole history, right? Cause I've, I've seen, seen the ways, right? So with, with, with what you just said, like that was one of your low points. You had a high point before, and obviously you're in a high point now. If you can go back in time anywhere in the last 21 years and whisper something to yourself, what would that thing that you would whisper to change the outcome of where you are right now? I think it would be, you know, and I think this kind of goes a different direction in conversation, but I think the thing that I would tell myself is to design the life that you want and not the business, not the career you want. Because I think that a career is just an extension of who you are. I think your work is just an extension of who you are. It doesn't have to be something that's separate. And when I first got into, you know, I don't, I've, I haven't really had a regular, you know, nine to five office job. I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, I mean, I've had, you know, working at the school or working, worked at Sears Portrait Studio, you know, like those were my real jobs. Um, office you know, working for a company in that, you know, getting a W-2 job. But um, I, I think that if I would have thought about, if I would have thought in the perspective of, I want to design, how do I want to design my life rather than how do I want to design my business first? Because the last it's a different mindset in how you make decisions. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily do too much different. I think like what I have done has everything from the photography to the acting to the, you know, voiceover work and singing, all of those things really are, are fitting under this umbrella of Sound Embrace, this, you know, this, this new business that I have created, you know, almost nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And, but 
in thinking about my lifestyle, I, uh, it would be, I wouldn't have been, I would have also done more, um, you know, extracurricular activities. I was so focused on work. I was so focused on, I mean, granted, right? Like you're in the beginning of your business, you're in fight or flight. Like you got to make money to feed yourself. You got to make money to, you know, pay for the roof over your head. I got to pay for these plants, right? <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> these are my, you know, joys. But you know, you, you know, they're, they're the basic needs that we need. And yes, we do need to make money. And sometimes we have to prioritize work, you know, to be able to, to afford just the, our basic needs. But what I didn't do early on was really explore my other interests. And so what ended up happening was I, I think I would have been a, a lot stronger of a business person moving forward if I had if I could tap into my other interests and have other things to talk about. So I would go to like, uh, you know, at the time in photography, I would go to these photography, you know, networking opportunities and I could talk about photography and I could talk about, you know, uh, you know, these different ideas of what we could create together. And I could talk about, you know, the latest retouching, whatever, but after that, I, you know, it was, it was almost like I couldn't connect with somebody on a, on a personal person to person level, on a human level in a way that was like, oh yeah, like hiking trails. And, you know, now, now I know what I like to do. I love being out in nature. I love hiking. I love traveling. I love road tripping. I love singing. I love bowling. You know, I love, you know, now I have this understanding, but there's the human element that like people want to work with people that they enjoy working with. They want to work with people who they have some kind of connection with. And while at the time I was good at connecting pe with people around, it always had to be, um, you know, strategic questions. It had to be strategic in my questioning of like, what are you interested in? And what do I know about that thing? You know, but I couldn't actually from my heart um, connect with them in in a deeper way. Um, That's definitely interesting. I don't know. I think, Did I just go around in a circle with that? No, 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 no. I think you definitely answered it. I think one of the things that, that you said that I'm going to pull out from what you said, it was like, you're talking about you've always been an entrepreneur, right? And you're, you're talking about all these different things about music and sound and how you've incorporated into your your long time career so like i want to know like where does that come from like do you come from an entrepreneurial family did you have an aunt or an uncle that's historically in your family where is the entrepreneurism coming from for you <sighs> question you gotta think about right <laughs> um you know uh, I cut my, my dad's side of the family is all military. They were all in the army. My mom's side, you know, is, um, my mom's parents are immigrants from Italy and Portugal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I didn't grow up necessarily with them and the culture of it. It was, you know, we moved every two to three years. We didn't get to, uh, really we, meaning my younger sister and brother, you know, we didn't, have that opportunity to really know our extended family. So I think like part of it, I think is being a military kid was, is one of those things that like, I just, I love to be on the move. I love to meet new people. I love to know about 
people. I love to learn about people. Um, it's it, it it's actually pretty. I mean, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to just like go up and talk to a stranger and you know just um, you know make a connection. And I love the genuineness of that. I love the flow of that. Um, and you know, my dad, he was. He's a little bit of an entrepreneur. My dad is a big uh, card collector. He loves, you know, non-sports trading cards and Star Wars, Star Trek. Like, you know, you look up archive cards on eBay and you get your get your fix there if you're a collector. Uh, and, you know, he did show like a dedication to like what it was to to be a collector and what it is to, you know, put yourself out there. Um but that was like later on in my life, like later on when I was like uh, 17 ish, 16, 17, when I really started to see him like pursue that kind of entrepreneurial um, endeavor of like actually selling, selling the trading cards. Um, but I don't know. I think, you know, my, my parents both have really amazing work ethic. My mom, you know, she, she didn't go, she graduated high school, um, with, you know, D's. She so loves to tell the story that, you know, she like, she almost didn't graduate, but she had to like write a paper. Um, she was about to marry my dad and like leave with my dad. Cause he got on tour or something. And, you know, he, she, she was always like getting in trouble in school and uh, she went to the principal and it was like, I'm just leaving. I'm not going to graduate, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get married. And, and, and the, the, the principal was like, I need you to write an essay on what it's like to be a military wife. And, you know, we'll see if we can get you to like pass. And so that's how she passed. And so my mom is just very engaging, I think. And also just somebody who's really like, she could talk to anybody. Um, and, um, you know, she built buses, you know, she was on the line building buses. She's on the line building tanks, you know, she's, um, you know, the first woman to go field service in, you know, when she worked at this bus company, she was the first woman to do a lot of things in this, this one particular company that was very sexist. And, um, you know, she, she had a lot of, um, sexual abuse that, you know, that, that was happening in this company, but she is, she overcame this and like created this really beautiful thing in that company. So, you know, I think I just had parents who, who just had good, like really good work ethic and instilled that in us. And then I think just being the benefits of like, there are benefits of being a military, my, my sister and brother, you know, they like to be in one place. Like, okay. you know, my, my, they are back where we went to high school and being in one place, they're super happy with that. And me, I like to, to be out and I like to be moving and I like to be creating. So, you know, it does hit differently for everybody, but I think the military background definitely has a lot to do with it. So you're talking about military. Anybody that knows anything about military, military is very rigid, right? Like they have particular schedules. Everything's on the schedule. So like my next question goes into like taking that. It looks like you take a lot of your upbringing from being in a military family. How does that transpire into like your morning routines, your morning habits now? Now? <laughs> you know what? Now, you know, I, I have a lot more acceptance of 
the seasons of what my body needs. Um, before I would force myself to get up at 6 a.m. and go do a workout and, you know, try to do some kind of journaling or meditation and like force these kind of line items into my day. Because if I checked off that list of that line item, then it meant that I was doing something and that I was progressing. But then, you know, the, the deeper I got into doing sound healing work for other people and holding space for other people, the more I realized, you know, the more personal growth came within myself where it was like, oh, actually, I, this isn't what I need right now. What I need is I need to sleep to 11. <laughs> and that's what my body needs right now. And maybe it's, because of that particular time of the month, or, you know, it's because I just finished a really big project and I need to actually rest. Um, and, you know, I think that the more we can come into acceptance that there are seasons to, uh, you know, what our bodies need to actually be productive and to actually feel fulfilled uh, to actually be healthy and have the energy to do the bigger work in the world is that we need to, you know, listen to our bodies more. Hmm. Hmm. I think, I mean, with that, I mean, it, it kind of leads me into my next question this is a solid segue to like, okay, final words of wisdom to anyone that has maybe listening to this particular episode and they're hearing your journey, right? They're hearing that you're going through these ways, trying to figure out things, but throughout the journey, sound was the, the common denominator, but health was also the common denominator. So what insight would you give to an individual that's hearing you, that they're vibing with you, you're hearing what you're giving, what would you deliver to them to help them move forward in their progress to success? Progress to success. You know, I think that, the most important thing that I could leave any of you with is to <clears throat> remember that as you evolve, so will your business. Oh. And even if you went to school for the thing or you've spent 10 years building the thing, you change. And so will your passion in, in the business that you're creating and the offerings that you want to give to the world and, and to allow yourself that grace and compassion to evolve, uh, to evolve into the next iteration of the thing <laughs> of the business or whatever it is that you're trying to put out into the world. Um, I think a lot of people get stuck in, well, I went to school for this and, and my parents are putting this pressure on me and everybody has this expectation for me to do this thing. And, but you change. We're supposed to change. Our businesses are supposed to change. They're supposed to get better or we're supposed to evolve out of this old way of being into in alignment with this new way that we, that we know that we can show up and so allow yourself that opportunity to grieve, you know, um, to grieve that old self, to honor the old self of what you have built, honor that and celebrate that, but also so that you can create the space so you can move into and step into, you know, this new phase of who you are in your business and your offering with compassion and, and more empowerment. Nice, nice. So, I mean, with that, how could they find you? I mean, what's your website? Where are you on social media? 
I am at soundembrace.com, S-O-U-N-D-E-M-B-R-A-C-E. Uh, and at soundembrace.com, you can find all of my offerings that I, that I currently have between classes, um, certification program and, uh, sound healing memberships. Um, and I love hanging out on Instagram. So my Instagram is sound underscore embrace. Um, and yeah, I like, I, I pop on those Instagram stories, you know, every once in a while and just like, I don't know who I'm talking to, but hopefully, you know, um, whatever is shared at that time is helpful, but, uh, yeah, it's another, another way that I like to have conversation with people. Nice. Nice. So going into bonus round, I got a bonus question for you and I'm really intrigued to see what your answer is going to be. So (laughs) if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? Oh man, there are too many people. Um, you know what though? I'm going to just like flip it. I'm, I'm going to like, I want to say my grandfather, my grandfather passed away when my mom was seven and actually, this is like a very unexpected answer, <laughs> but he just popped into my mind. And I think, you know, from, um, the 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 stories i, I want to hear the stories and and the human aspect of where you know where my family comes from and um and connect more into this conversation of home because i think even when we think about home um it's a place that we get to launch from it's a, it's a foundation it's you know where we where we feel safe and where we can really grow and expand hopefully. And I think, yeah, I think if I could have some time, it would be with grandpa Ladati, grandpa Ralph Ladati, and, um, you know, really hear some of these gangster stories and, you know, you know, his, his background. (laughs) Oh, very cool. Another bonus question for you. Now I'm sweating. (laughs) No, 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 no. This one, I think it'll be pretty easy. It'll be pretty easy. Um, considering like the life that you live and obviously you still got more life to live and all the things that, that you've done, what is your most significant achievement to date? Mm. You know, I'm seeing, uh, ugh, this is emotional. I, you know, I'm seeing, I launched my certification, my sound healing certification program in 2019. And to see what my graduates are doing in the world with sound healing is just, it's, it's inspiring. It's awe inspiring. It's, you know, like I get to see my legacy in motion and full manifestation. And yeah, I think that's like, helping them to become the leaders that I know that they could be, that they know that they can be and bringing this powerful work of sound healing therapy into the communities that they're passionate about serving, you know, helps, you know, it comes back to my why, why I do the work that I do is to help the other Danielle Halls out there to, um, to realize and to see that they don't have to subscribe to the cards that they were dealt in life. And 
to see that happening. Like my students are bringing this into hospitals and, you know, different organizations and, you know, like in, in spaces that I never could have imagined that I, I, you know, I, I think like I am not meant to be in all spaces. And, and so now there are these, this different representation being brought out into the world with this powerful therapy. And it's just, it, this, like, I, I am, I am living the dream come true. I, I don't really know what is next. Um, I have some ideas of what's next for Sound Embrace, of course, but you know, they're like, it's just like, wow. Like if this is where it ends, like this is pretty amazing. <laughs> nice, nice. I think that, that that's a hell of a way to, to transition into closing. Um, so usually the way I end in my podcast is whoever I'm interviewing becomes the host and I give you the microphone and you can ask me any question that you see fit. So the floor is yours. Shanali, well, I want to know, you know, how... How do you infuse, like you, you have the, you have one of the biggest hearts that, you know, you have a huge heart and I want to hear from you, like, what are some of the ways that you infuse and balance too, like the amount of care that you have for people and, and how do you infuse that into your work? How do you infuse that into how you're showing up in the world yeah i mean just like anybody else in business I, you know you have to go through that that roller coaster and i i guess it's it's ironic because my first brand was cerebral and it was 100 percent based upon intellect right and much like how i've developed and realized that i was both creative and analytical at the same time to your point i'm very intellectual but i have a big heart and then until I realized that I was 50-50 and kind of brought all these things together. And if you think about like the logo behind me, like the Boston cage, like that's part of this, the symbolism behind that, like these four different arrows coming together where those arrows are symbolizing analytical, creative mm. art, and they all come into one thing. So again, if you look at my story, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now until these discoveries happened. And to your point, putting heart into it was like the last component. I feel like like a, a spokesperson for um, Captain Planet with the powers combined. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and comes in and his heart. I am now Captain Planet, but I didn't. I didn't become this person until, to your point, I didn't realize that heart was the missing element. And again, I kept leaning with my mind, and once I started leaning with my heart, that's when everything started happening. It changes everything changes everything definitely changes everything well i definitely appreciate you pouring in and and i, I knew you was going to come you was going to pour in and, and drop in all the nuggets and be completely exposed and to your point at one time you weren't this exposed right one time you was kind of eh, i'm okay but now you're just like opened up i'm an open book and you're just telling your story so freely and i think our listening community they can take that and realize that wherever they are in their journey to success, wherever they are in their journey to get to the next level, you're a living, breathing example of these roller coaster rides that you have to go through, but you constantly keep pushing and keep following your dreams. And in the end, it will all work out as long as you stay persistent. Persistent. And you know what? Define what success means to you because it's so easy to hide under what other people's ideas of what success is and what it looks like and what it feels like. And honestly, it's changed for me. Success has totally changed for me from when I started in photography to where I am now. And it's, it's just, I couldn't imagine like being in this life, in this body 
and experiencing life in this way once I had defined what success is to me. Hmm. Nice, nice. Well, I, I think with that, that being the final closing statement, I would want to say thanks for being on the show today. And again, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And anybody that has not experienced a sound therapy or a sound bath, first and foremost, if you haven't, make sure that you do it sooner than later. It would definitely change your viewpoint on a lot of different things. And it will probably have you more relaxed than you've ever been before in your life, for sure. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.